My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Listen to what I'm going to say. The Christian life really is that simple to have it in our heads. Living it out is another thing. But if we don't remind ourselves how simple it is, we're going to have a hard time living it out. Love the Lord your God with all all that you are and all that you possess and all of your time. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't fall asleep on me. Apply this to your life today. Remember, I dealt with Dostoevsky last year. Every four years when Dostoevsky comes around in the curriculum, I'm always preaching on Brothers Karamazov. And Elder Zosima gets a lot of time in my sermons. Remember, this is again the teaching of Zosima to Alyosha, so clearly set forth in the novel, Brothers Karamazov. Empty words do not go very far. Words that are backed up by action or action speaking for your tongue, this goes much further or farther to show the love of God to the world. In my family, we say I love you a lot. There are days, though, when, I, when I'm lying, when I say that. I'm not saying, don't say I love you. Um, I've known people that never heard that all their lives from their family. And that's hard. It's not healthy. But what I'm saying is, pay attention. What I'm saying is, make those words true in your heart and therefore in your actions and in the way that you speak to people, particularly your family. How often, okay, so here's the question. Apply it in your life. How often do you consider yourself more important than others? How often do I think, hey, I'm pretty much the most important person in the world. We would never say that out loud, nor would we ever in our mind say it to ourselves. But boy, we act like it, don't we? And we think it deep down. How often do we contemplate... our desires our appetites, our wishful thinking, our wants. I'm not saying needs. No, I'm not saying needs. We do need to think about practical needs and stewardship of the things that God has given us. And God, we need some more money to make rent this month. Please help me to find extra work or, you know, whatever it is. I get that. No, I'm saying how often do we contemplate our desires, our appetites, our wants, our wishful thinking? And I'm not even saying it's a bad thing to have a vision of something that would be beautiful, pleasant, 
enriching for your family. But how much time do we spend on that? Worse yet, how much time do we spend on that upgraded computer that I don't need but I'd really like? Or that car that would be so much fancier than the one I have? Or, and again, there's a time and a place to say, well, yeah, 300,000 miles, probably. <laughs> Start looking. And if I can upgrade, that's great. But, but do you see where there's some wisdom in dealing with some of those issues? And then there's where we plant 90% of our time, our free time. It's just all about this. Oh, if I could just have that new iPhone. My wife and I laugh because every time she gets a new phone, it's, it, it's surprisingly time for me to get a newer phone. We've had you know, a bit of a joke and a laugh about that, but uh, the last new phone that came into our house is owned by my wife, I'll have you know. Um, and useful tools, okay, fine. Do we really need five cameras rotating on the front of our phone? Well, if you're a professional photographer and you make money at it, okay, yeah, maybe. Um, do most people have to spend $1,200 for a new SLR camera? Most people do not. If you're an avid photographer enthusiast and you can find a five-year-old version of that for $400 then maybe it becomes something worthwhile and you save up some money. Uh, if you run a school and a church and you travel over, all over the world with these kids and you need pictures to bring home, then you spend the 1200 And then you sell your old camera for 400 and now you've only spent eight. Or in some cases, you give it to your gap year fellow to sell and that person pays $200 to ship it to Nigeria for free. <laughs> So, um, the boss learns a lot of lessons too. <laughs> so, what, what about this desires? Do we spend too much time on our wants and our needs, not our needs, our wants, our desires, our appetites? All the while, while we're busy doing that, think about your family. These, this is the, family is the people that we sin against the most. You know that, right? Spouses. Children, parents, even cousins. But depending on where you're at sometimes, sometimes the family group's bigger and you're all around each other a lot. Sometimes it's the nuclear family. Think about your family. How often do you contemplate your desires, appetites, wishes, wants, all the while being ignorant of the true needs of others right in front of us? Maybe your brother or sister, maybe your parent, maybe your child, who needs your time and effort, who needs your loving words, who needs you to help them just do dishes. How often are we lost in our own world about everything we want when those people need those, your time and your effort? How often are we lost in our own world and we fail to see the opportunities the Holy Spirit brings right by us, in front of us, day after day, and we don't have eyes to see. 
Because we can just reach out, we can help someone, we can serve someone, we can love someone, we can even just smile and be pleasant with someone. Yesterday we had a funeral service here for uh, old neighbors and friends of uh, Caitlin and mine. And um, a number of people showed up. Um, Pat... Uh, who went passed on is um, about 80 probably or somewhere in that neighborhood and she had extreme dementia, Alzheimer's, I don't know technically but you know she didn't recognize me the last five times I saw her um, but still for her husband they'd been married 49 years, is that what I 47, I don't know, long time and had just enjoyed each other, had enjoyed time with each other. Um, what a blessing to be able to reach out with a service to bless the widower, to bless Derek. And what a blessing that a number of... So they left five years ago because she was sick and live in Reno. Um, we had 27 here. Um, and their set's a little bit older. And they've been gone for five years. So I just thought, wow, people went out of their way to love Derek and to remember Pat. And I just thought that was so, what a blessing for Derek. Um, And my choristers, some of my choristers and my servers have never met these people. But they came out and they blessed. So that is where you go, oh, well, that's a, yeah, I can participate in that. That'll maybe touch someone, maybe the gospel will be heard by someone. That's great. What I'm saying is that type of thoughtful approach needs to be done all the time in our lives with our family, our closest friends, the people that we're with all the time, our co-workers. We need to think, how do I reach out? How do I love? How do I serve? Christian compassion is about loving people when you don't really want to. I could just make this a lesson for my children. We have this discussion all the time during the summer because my, stu- my children are back home. and I could make it a discussion. Maybe we'll have just a house meeting tonight. And everyone who lives at the vicarage will just sit down. Well, how did you love someone other than yourself yesterday? Did you? Because I tell you what, I was grumpy yesterday. And you know what that's about? That's about loving yourself. Well, I got up late because I was just had a bad night's sleep. And everyone else did everything you were supposed to do, and now you're grumpy. I, there's no excuses. There are mitigating circumstances. I get it. You had a really bad night's sleep. But don't bite my head off. There's no justification for that. Christian service is about helping, serving, giving when it is not convenient, when it is not easy, when it is not likable. We in our culture are also caught up with our own agendas, with our own selves, with our own desires. When do we ever have time to worry about God or about his creatures? We're obsessed with ourselves. We are the most narcissistic culture in the history of the world, I'm convinced. Look, argue with me later. But Roman culture, Babylonian, all these empires, how many of those people could be 
that narcissistic, the top 10%. In our culture, it doesn't matter rich or poor, we're all narcissistic. St. John is dealing with heart issues in our epistle. He mentions that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. This is the standard of God that Christ makes clear in his ministry, isn't it? He contrasts this, however, not with a non-acting love, in other words, not with affection or a warm heart towards someone, with, oh gosh, warm fuzzies, just because I love hanging out with you, I look at you and I just get warm fuzzies. That's not what St. John is using to contrast this act of love with. He's contrasting it with a very active love. The sin is seen in the heart, but the heart of love is seen in action. The heart of love is seen in action. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And that's martyrdom in the Celtic church's world, right? There was the red martyr and the white martyr. The red martyr obviously is you were stabbed to death or you were shot or whatever. The, you know, um, flayed alive, roasted, boiling oil. I mean, the list goes on in the ways in which Christians have died for the love of Jesus and his church. The white martyr, however, is the one who lives to old age but has been a martyr every day for the love of God and for the love of his neighbor. Whoever has this world's goods, continues St. John, and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The apostle speaks here of action as opposed to just words. Words are cheap, as the saying goes. Put your money where your mouth is, as the other saying goes. Act out your love. Don't just give lip service. I love you, honey. Yeah. When? When was the last time? Well, give me a few minutes to contemplate that. Look, words of love are important. Please don't get me wrong. And of course, the Apostle James lets us know how important the tongue is and how our words can affect others. But John here is emphasizing a life that matches up to the words we speak. Being protected and upheld by God's grace in our lives looks like active love. Like St. James, St. John pushes here for a life that lives out and justifies the faith we proclaim. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. It's an assurance issue. When we are active members of Christ's church in word and particularly in deed, then we are assured that we are of the truth. So stop, please look at your hearts and your life in the last 24 hours. Did you serve others? Did you think of others before yourself, which is what Paul says to do? Did you act out love in the last 24 hours? If you did not, think back, well, when's the last time I did? And then perhaps be very, very concerned. And let the Holy Spirit poke you in the heart and cause you to change. 
our actions of faithful living, our fruit as it is known, are evidence of God's favor towards us. We can rest assured that God indeed keeps us and protects us and helps us in our faith and in our faithful living. We must stop giving lip service, but not real service. St. John is tough, we found in last week's epistle. Today we see it again. Let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's not enough to say it, we have to live it. You want to know that you are God's. You want to be assured that you're on the right track. You want to be assured that you have what you are called to have and are in the right line for the right side. Don't check out the ticket. Check out your life. Quit loving yourself too much. Quit worrying about yourself. Quit being focused on yourself. Rather, live out an active love for others. Live a life that is others-centered. Live every moment. So that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost will show in each of those moments to the people that watch you and see you. Brethren, being others-centered leaves little to no room for us to be self-centered. It's not easy. It's not always fun in the way that we want fun. Uh, Read relaxing, entertaining, sometimes a vegetative state. It is, it is easy in its straightforward application. It's simple. Not to do, but to understand. It doesn't take too long to honestly look at my actions and perceive whether I'm being other-centered or self-centered. It's not that difficult to figure out. It's usually difficult to choose the godly action over my selfish action. That's where the difficulty comes in. So go out of your way for your neighbors, your family, your church family. Go out of your way for strangers. Let us quit talking so much about love and act more in love. It's that simple and it's that hard. Our life in Christ doesn't just encourage it. If we are in Christ, assurance, if we are in Christ, then that kind of life is demanded. Amen.